Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to talk about the watchOS 10 supposed design overhaul with widgets. Could Final Cut be coming to iPad? Google launches pass keys to log into your personal Google account, and you might be able to tip at the Union Apple Store pretty soon. This episode is brought to you by Collide, and joining me, second week in a row, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Uh, fine, Stephen. I was really close to canceling today because I booted up What the Car on Apple Arcade and uh, decided I just would rather do that, honestly. <laughs> 20 new games right before we started to record and hit Apple Arcade. We're going to get to that. I know you're a big Apple Arcade guy. That'd be a fun topic. Uh, just so everyone knows, Mr. Gallagher will be back soon. Don't worry. He's not He's not lost. He's just reading through the scripts of every Apple TV Plus original show and movie before he dares watch them. Goodness. But the, he'll be back after that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing all of them. I actually went back and tried... Dickinson. I had never watched a Dickinson before. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. The first episode was, was interesting. Uh, I think I'm going to keep going. It's jarring and I love it. I love that it just jumps right in and here's some Billie Eilish. And I'm just like, yes, this is exactly what I want my historical timepiece to look like. <laughs> I, I love it. I did not expect that. There's three seasons of it uh, and that's all that will be produced. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth it. I, I When I started watching it, I was like, okay, period pieces. This feels a little like Little Women, maybe Downton Abbey-ish. And then like you said, Billie Eilish, Billy Eilish starts playing. I'm like, what is happening? But I like it. It was, it was interesting. There's some behind the scenes stuff you can go look at too, but the cr show creators just have a lot of love for Emily Dickinson and yeah. really wanted to shine some light on this amazing piece of American history. And of course, some of it is a little over fictionalized, but it's all sure. Most of it is very real other than her talking to death itself. But right. uh, yes, very, very good show. Definitely go give it a watch. Yeah. And I definitely, it definitely, it definitely drove me to read Emily Dickinson's entire Wikipedia article just oh, after goodness. the first episode. Right after you close <laughs> Williams, of course. Oh, yeah. Listen, you have to rub it in. <laughs> Before we move on from Apple TV Plus, because there's not much to say there this week. Sure. My goodness, Stephen, we've we've I think we've finally done it. We've crossed. Well, I mean, maybe months ago we have, but we've crossed the boundary of I just can't watch all of it. There's just too much. There's too much coming out. There's it's too much. They've already announced this week several more little little things coming out throughout the year, and it's just. I'm never going to get to it all. And of of course, there's no reason to get watch literally everything, but so much of it looks appealing to me. Yeah. Like, I definitely want to watch Silo, and High Desert looks hilarious, and just Silo. on and on and on. And it's just, man, I need to take a month off and just watch TV, I guess. Yeah, I will say, yes, I agree. There's now too much than a day can hold. There was that Big Beasts show, which uh, is another. We're watching it. It's so I, I'm very excited about that, because me and the whole family, the kids, we watched Tiny World, and we love Tiny World. And so this Big B seems like a great companion to that. But I have to say, the Silo show that you just mentioned, I saw like a trailer or a preview for it. And I was like, this is, I'm all about this. Like it's Rebecca Ferguson, mm. dystopian. I want to watch it. I went into the Apple TV Plus app on my Apple TV and like I couldn't find it anywhere. And I guess it's not out right as we record, actually. It's coming out tomorrow as we record Friday. You know, it comes out Friday, May 5th. Yeah, they have a lot of banners for it throughout the Apple TV app. Well, and when I open the app on my phone, it's the first thing there. But for some reason, I found no trace of it on my Apple TV last night. I saw like Big World and hmm. Schmigadoon, which we'd been watching episodes of. But for some reason, I just couldn't find it. So I still think Apple TV has got to work on that discoverability a little. Caught bit. it mid rollout. Oh, I mean, especially now that there's so much, again, there's just so much content. Like right. I laugh at anyone who like, cause you still come across these tweets uh, when you're accidentally in the For You tab on uh, Twitter. <laughs> 
accidentally. <laughs> Never go there on purpose, of course. Same. Um, same, but, same. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, you know, there's nothing on Apple TV Plus. I don't understand why no one's there. It's like, it's literally all I watch. Like, I I can't leave it because then I'll fall behind and I'll never catch up again. <laughs> it's good stuff. I will, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say about it. I would just wish there was a view in the Apple TV Plus area that had movies and TV shows as the two options. Right. And just an alphabetical listing, A through Z, of all the things that Apple has to watch under TV shows and movies, alphabetical. That's it. That's all I want, just so I can find it. It's not an alphabetical list, but I do personally maintain the uh, Apple Insider watch list of uh, Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, you can go there. It's, okay. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes, but I have to update it this week, actually, with like uh, five new shows that are coming soon. Yes, I keep that up to date at least once a month with all the upcoming shows and the release shows, and it's organized by category so kids documentary documentary series movie and you can go see basically everything that's ever come out (laughs) i just i just waltzed into a plug for this page and had no idea but i'm on it right now and it's amazing i didn't even know this existed this is wonderful this this one and the apple arcade page are two uh things that i try to closely maintain and again my goodness i'm gonna have a time uh, uploading 20 new games to uh, apple arcade in the next week so we'll, we'll get that done <laughs> this is wonderful all right now, now we said we were going to jam through the news today and, and we've talked about apple tv plus already for uh for five minutes but it's well worth it for that page alone because that's going to be what i reference now whenever i turn on my apple tv two quick five-star reviews before we get too far into it ls wars from poland international listener And I'm Stevie D from Great Britain. I also want to mention Apple has its quarter two earnings call as a record later today. So as you're actually listening to this, results will be out. Go to the article on appleinsider.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for all the latest news. Typically quarter two is, you know, dips down under quarter one. Quarter one usually includes the holiday sales quarter and all that kind of stuff. So Apple has said, you know, it's going to be down over quarter one. Typical, but if you want more details, you can check out the article in the show notes. I'm sure Apple will make billions of dollars, Wall Street will be disappointed, and the stock will drop tomorrow, (laughs) as Uh, it always has been and as it always will be. Yes, it is literally the same every time. WatchOS 10, this was big news from Mark Gurman's Power On newsletter last Sunday, was that WatchOS 10 is going to get a major overhaul. It's going to be one of the features at WWDC I can now say next month, as you're listening to this episode, the keynote is one month away on June 5th. You're listening to this on May 5th, May 4th, if you're a paid subscriber and support the show because you get it early. But the WatchOS 10 is supposedly going to be overhauled, really focusing on widgets, which is an interesting change because you might think the Apple Watch has widgets now, but no, no, those are complications. And so German is saying that WatchOS 10 is going to have widgets. And I think this kind of goes back to what we talked about two, maybe last week or two weeks ago about interactive widgets and how the whole complications system might need to change if we want interactive widgets on the iPhone. I see a path to interactive widgets now on both platforms if this becomes a major overall part of watchOS 10. But this is welcome. This is a welcome change. This goes back to the foundation we've been building uh, with widgets this whole time. So complications came to watchOS first, and then widgets came to iOS built on the same systems as complications. Right, right. And now we're full circling back, bringing basically what are the iOS 14 widgets back to watchOS. So there's going to be these... You know how you can set, you know, single pane, double pane, and 4X pane uh, widgets on iOS and iPadOS? Right. Um, the single pane widget will be coming to watchOS in a view 
is meant to be glanceable. So these aren't going to be interactive. They're going to be st static widgets with information that you can scroll through. So just like switching widgets on iOS where you swipe between a stack, stack. you'll oh, be see. able to rotate the digital crown and see, I'm assuming, a pre-selected list or some sort of organized list of widgets based on the apps you have on your watch. And what's interesting is Mark Gurman has said that these will be so prominent that this might actually replace the digital crown button as what you... So when you're on your watch face and you press the digital crown button today, oh. you open the app grid, which honestly may be coming... Uh, just unnecessary. Apple, I'm sure, is finding that people just aren't opening this grid and navigating to an app and launching it. You can launch apps with Siri. Uh, there's apps in your complications. There's just a million other ways to get to the apps, and the app grid is probably the least efficient. I, I've, I have mine as an alphabetical list. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's what I, I do. The alphabetical list. I don't do the honeycomb anymore. Once that list came out, I was like, that, I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty to look at, but it's completely useless navigation-wise. And so I think maybe they might finally deprecate that. There might be another way to get to your app list, but it won't be the primary digital crown button. So now what German is suggesting is you press the digital crown button and it opens a list of active widgets and you can scroll through and see different bits of information from your apps. I also feel like, depending on the watch face, like right now I have the modular watch face on my Apple Watch Ultra, and I have a big widget in the middle, which is my Fantastical widget. So I have the next event big there. But when I scroll the digital crown on the modular face, nothing happens. You know, it used to be where you could do like forward in time, which I think there's still a setting for that if you want to like scroll the digital crown and fast forward to either see what- I don't know. I think I think time travel is deprecated. I that's think, gone? And yeah. That's gone. I like that because you could scroll the digital crown, look six hours into the future, see what your event is, see what the weather is, and you know, I, I went to the solar face, the solar system face, where you can see the planets, yeah, yeah, yeah. and kept doing time travel until the planets aligned. So that's that's how <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> that. That's how much fun I was having with that. And uh, I have a, an image of that somewhere in my iPhone. I'll have to pull out, but uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But I like the idea of widgets. Um, he there was something convoluted mentioned about widgets and watch faces, and I don't know how to really interpret it. Like, can you? place a widget as the background of a watch display, which begs the question of can, will that basically become custom watch faces? Yeah. And I think going back to the, the modular watch face on the watch faces where turning the crown doesn't do anything right now, like the modular, I could see maybe you turn that and you can scroll through a widget stack on that large center complication area right now on the modular. You also have the modular duo, which I guess you could do. I also think it's interesting because the Siri watch face, my wife actually uses the Siri one a lot, which I've never really taken to, but she uses that and scrolling the digital crown on the Siri watch face, you scroll through all these cards, which you can customize what shows up. You know, you could have your weather, upcoming events, frequent locations, if you wanted to be able to suggest that. And you can scroll through those things, which is almost like a widget stack, but you know, just the Siri suggestions. But if you could just dictate the widgets, I'm curious, I'm glad just for any change really, because you know, most of my watch faces, I have one for working out, which has like a bunch of the activity things and all that. And then I've on the Apple Watch Ultra, really just leaving it on the Wayfinder watch face because it's kind of like a more a more ultra feeling infograph watch face. And I just use it as shortcuts to all of the apps that I do use on the watch, which are basically smart home. So I go to the home app to control my smart home on the watch. I use the Pocket Cast app to start or stop podcast, any list for groceries. And then I have like my activity, weather and a timer thing on there. And I just use it as a shortcut to get to other things on the watch, but it'd be nice if it was a little more functional. 
right on the face. Steven, I have a confession to make. Uh-huh. So last year, uh, when Apple came out with all of their betas and stuff, different, it was just, you know, new watchOS updates, all of that during WWDC. It's all very exciting. I believe that I deleted all of my watch faces wow. and was like, I'm going to go and like redo all of this and tie them all to focus modes. And I did for the most part. And I remember, you know, I was very proud of it, posting screenshots and stuff to Twitter. And it's like, here's my focus modes. Here's the watch faces I built for each focus mode. And somewhere in there, I decided, you know what? I'm not using all these third-party apps anymore. I'm going to move to just Apple. And that must have been in like September. And then that destroyed a lot of my watch faces because I was relying on a lot of third-party complications. And then I just never went back and fixed anything. So Mm. in the past, like, I don't know, six months... I've just been on the, I don't even know what you call this thing, the rounded uh, circle face thing that came with the Series uh, 7. The Contour? Contour. Yeah, I just long pressed and it tells me the name of it. Um, Yeah, I just leave that on. I change the color to match whatever watch band I'm wearing. And I've just been having that on with no widgets. And when I need information, I just Hmm. open the app. And the only apps I've really been using is the now playing screen and workouts. And it's just kind of been how I've been using Apple Watch. Now, of course, I have some ambition. I want to go in and really, you know, tune out my watch and make it work for me more and have a lot more going on with it. It's just time's gotten away from me. But it sure, sure. It's definitely time for a rethink. And if I, you know, part of maybe my, you know, spring cleaning here this month in May, uh, I, I might go in and redesign some of my Apple Watch usage. Yeah. But h- how do you use your watch normally? Is it more, is it uh, passive as well or? Well, I will say with the Apple Watch Ultra, I feel like the raise to speak and actually command Siri certain things has vastly improved. You know, the Apple Watch Ultra has dual mics as opposed to the Series 7 and 8 with the one mic. My Series 7 was good. But because I do a lot of smart home controls, and sometimes I do just want a text message from the watch real quickly while I'm walking around, I do find raising it and speaking, like I was just looking at the watch face as I was describing my Wayfinder face, and Siri just keeps activating because it hears me talking to it. And so the raise to speak has just been really great on the Apple Watch Ultra. And that's what I've been doing most of. I'll raise it and I'll say, run this scene, you know, do this in the smart home, open the garage whatever those commands are. And that's actually a lot of my interaction with it. And then those few apps that I keep going back to, like any list for grocery shopping, Pocket Cast for podcast listening, and the the home app timers, you know, little things like that. But I, I would, I'm actually not super happy with any of my watch faces either. You know, I look down at the Wayfinder, it's fine, it's functional, it looks okay, but I'm not crazy about it. And I use the modular during the day because it has the big calendar event. But I'm not crazy about that either. Like, I kind of wish I had different options. So I'm looking forward to an overhaul. Uh, WatchOS 10 um, is going to be the first WatchOS update since Apple Watch Ultra came out. I expect we'll see a couple of new watch faces and at least one watch face built specifically for the Apple Watch Ultra. And that should give you a little bit more something to play with. Uh, I'm hoping for a redesigned Siri watch face and uh, something that to interact with these widgets a little bit more actively. I I think a lot might change and that might put me off, you know, redesigning my entire Apple watch experience before June. That'd probably be silly. Uh, You know, maybe get through WWDC, see what we get. And then once we get the betas on all of our devices and set everything on fire, um, (laughs) I think (laughs) I'll maybe try then going in and becoming a Apple watch power user once again and uh, have it, be more interactive and more insert inserting itself more in my life, and especially right. if we are getting some sort of Apple Siri uh, AI voice trainer, AI health coach yeah. type deal, which oh, I don't yeah. know if you discussed uh, yet, but 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That would be cool. Two side notes. We'll put the screenshot as the chapter art. This was Wes. He went 153 years into the future to get all the planets to align, which is, listen. As close as I could. It's they, pretty they close. They never would actually align. It's yeah. satisfying, though. But this also made me think of a CGP Grey video. I will put this link in the show notes where he goes through the distance between Earth and every planet and how at some point throughout all the planets' revolutions around the sun, Every planet is the closest to Earth at some point, hmm. which is wild to think. Like even Neptune. Space. Because yes. there are times when most of the planets are the opposite side of the sun and Earth and Neptune are on the other side and Neptune is like the closest neighbor. And it just blows my mind to watch this video. So I'll put it that link in the uh, show notes. Too. So before we move on from watchOS, I did want to mention one tiny thing. Mm-hmm. Our favorite new leaker, Analyst941. Yes. Right yes. around the time, I can't remember if it was before or after, Mark Gurman came out with this widget deal for watchOS. The, Analyst 941 came out with <laughs> the app grid is going to have folders that you can put your app icons into. So when you navigate the app grid, you can make it as small as you want to and then open multiple folder Wait, grids. on the watch? On the folders watch. on the watch? Folders no. on the... Absolutely insane. Get out of here. And I'm, I, yeah, I'm just like, okay, so not only is this just n- not good, but it is exactly contradictory to Mark Gurman. So this is one of the few cases that this person has come out with a leak that it's go, no go. It's either going to be Gurman is right or they're going to be right. Apple is not going mm-hmm. to replace the uh, the digital crown button with widgets and then double down on the app grid with folders. That It's not going to mm-hmm. be both. So I just want to point that out. We're keeping an eye on this character, probably going to flush them down a drain after WWDC, but we'll see. Uh, well, been at least three more reports this week. I mean, uh, Andrew, you can roast Andrew on this uh, later. He he was really excited that Final Cut Pro is finally coming to iPad OS, and this leak <laughs> came from Analyst 941. So This was the next thing I was going to touch on was the, again, leak from Analyst 941, Final Cut coming to the iPad in 2024. So as you were saying, we'll have to dismiss them after WWDC. And we might have to wait a whole nother year to see if Final Cut comes with iPad. But again, this is not a new rumor. This is something mm-hmm. that we have all... The blue Apple car will be announced during WWDC. Yeah. I mean, William's going to be right eventually. <laughs> eventually. But every refresh of the iPad Pro with the M1 and the M2, I feel like this rumor has spiraled around. I really felt like Final Cut was going to be inevitable on the iPad Pro. And because we are now so far down the road of iPadOS software and so many years of iPad Pro. Now having two models with Apple Silicon in the iPad Pro, we had the M1 version, now we have the M2. I'm getting less and less uh, enthusiastic or positive about Final Cut ever coming. And one of the parts of his leak was that it would basically be a one-to-one of its bigger brother, Final Cut Pro on the Mac. No way. Which of all parts of this leak feels the most... Uh, not going to happen because it would be redesigned for touch. It would have to be It would be redesigned for touch, but also I just like final cut pro on the Mac. It is deceivingly simple when you first open it up, but it is incredibly powerful with many, many tools. And one of the powerful parts is using templates and plugins. I use multiple from like motion VFX and FX factory pro where you can install lower third templates and transitions and all that. And I can't imagine Final Cut Pro, if it did run on iPad OS, having that ability to run those kind of third-party plugins. Mm. Like Motion VFX, you have to install an installer 
you don't have to. You can like do the weird thing where you drop folders inside the Final Cut library folder. Well, but I don't. I don't think there would be a Motion VFX app for iPad that lets you install those third-party plugins in Final Cut. It, it would have to change, right? And that's why it wouldn't be yeah, one for be one. Like, right, Minecraft, you can install mods on. I I don't know if anyone knows this, but if you play oh, Minecraft, okay. you can actually install mods on your iPad. You just go to the file system at Apple Files app and insert the mods there as if you were on a computer mm. and it, and you open Minecraft and there they are. You activate the texture packs or whatever. You can't go in and, you know, add new gaming mechanics and new math like you can on like on a the Java version on a desktop, but it's still there in a, in a little bit of a case. So I could see like a Final Cut on iPad having a place where you could insert downloadable plugins. Uh, Procreate lets you download brushes from the web, oh, but that's true. But it's it's so much smaller scale than an entire app being installed into Final Cut, right? right. So I think iPad OS would have to fundamentally change, and it might in two years. I mean, iPad sure. Pro is five years old this year. That's kind of incredible to think about, but also... Wait, that's it? Yeah, five, 2018 to 2023. No, no, no. Well, there was iPad Pro before 2018, but it was the oldest model of HomePod. I'm sorry, the, yeah, the yeah, modern face iPad ID. Pro. The one... Yeah, yeah, 2018 was the first Face ID. September 2015 was the very first iPad Pro with Apple Pencil. So iPad Pro has been around for eight years. That that has been around, but yeah, I'm talking about the more modern one, the 12.9 yeah. inch iPad Pro, the one where we said this is now a desktop, right? Sure, sure, <laughs> uh, sure. And uh, everyone was just you know cheering out like, look how amazing this is. Any day now, we're gonna get all these amazing apps and tools, and it just never came. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm still very much an iPad Pro advocate, but there is a point where you have to move over to desktop, right? And this is one of those cases. <laughs> you know, you can get you know LumaFusion and iMovie. You can get iMovie. You can get DaVinci Resolve now. No, DaVinci Resolve, like there's ways we'll to edit very large videos and there's even clever ways, like with all these little apps and tools, like uh, there's very popular tools that uh, make TikTok videos and all these little flares and stuff. Like there's ways to do it to a point. But if you're out here making a the next film, <laughs> right. uh, you're probably like an iPad can get you to an extent like Unsane, which was filmed on an iPhone, could probably have been edited on an iPad using LumaFusion. That's totally I mean, I don't know their I haven't looked into their back background, but I know that it was filmed on an iPhone. It's it's an incredible feat. But was uh, I'm pretty sure Unsane was edited on a Mac, though. And like when right. you're dealing with hours of footage is doable on iPad, but it's actually workable no. on a Mac. So like we're exactly. getting there. And I mean, iPad every day is getting a little bit closer to that Mac paradigm. And I, I, I still don't believe they're going to cross over. It's not going to be running Mac OS at any point, but no. the power is going to be there for the apps to step up. And I, I, I could see a future where Apple brings more of its first party apps, especially its pro apps, uh, like final cut to iPad. But I, just don't think we need to what what's what's the uh, jump the moon or whatever like with our expectations jump the shark jump, well jump the shark there's something with the moon anyway Cart before the horse yeah anyway jumps like over the moon <laughs> we don't made of cheese i don't know i need to stop with my metaphors but uh <laughs> basically we need to stop putting so much faith in this idea and just work with what we have like i i, I do yeah. agree with some people that we need to stop trying to make the ipad what it isn't and just use it for what it is because it is an amazing device for what it is and well, yeah. i don't know i this is just more wish casting from this leaker that rather than yeah. actual information i believe this episode is brought to you by collide Collide has some big news. If you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet up to 100% compliance. And I know what Okta is now because listener Solo Walker on Mastodon, he actually let me know that Okta is most commonly used for single sign-on 
This is what companies can give their employees, the single way to sign into all the different apps and services they might use. So I know what Okta is now. Thank you, Solo Walker. So here's what Collide can do seamlessly with Okta. If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, which is device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication, and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration, and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. So visit collide.com slash Apple Insider to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider, collide.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, Google actually launched Passkey for personal Google accounts this week. Passkey was announced at WWDC like one or two years ago. Basically, it allows you to biometrically log into your accounts, you know, not doing two-factor or login and password. Like it is just tied to your device and bio-authentication. Yeah, I was going to say that is your two-factor. Your second factor is your device. And so I set this up uh, as soon as I saw the announcement. I went to google.com, manage my Google account under security settings. You basically add this as an additional way to log in. So you can have two-factor authentication still there. You can still have, you know, approve on other devices logged into your Google account. Then you have a passkey. Now, the thing that I was interested with is, do you have to set a passkey for every hardware device that you'll be using to log in, or is it set up once and it goes everywhere? So what I thought was interesting, I did it on my MacBook Pro and I set up the passkey. I can log in with Touch ID now, it goes right into my personal Google account. And I was curious if I was gonna have to set it up again on my iPhone and iPad and my other Apple devices. And I don't know how this will work for all other passkeys, but, the Google actually shows your saved passkeys and it labeled it as iCloud Keychain Passkey. And in my iCloud Keychain on any of my devices, it actually shows the passkey saved on that login item just as, you know, passkey. And it tells me the date that it was created, which was yesterday now. And when I went on my iPhone to see if I needed to create a passkey for that, it was already there. And so it seems like passkeys sync over iCloud Keychain to all of your Apple devices and you can log in with whatever bio-authentication method you have for those devices, and it's just everywhere, and it's seamless, and it works really well. Passkey needs to happen faster. Whatever developer you are. <laughs> yes, I want it everywhere. I literally want no more passwords. I want to take, I, I don't I don't even, I haven't even looked in a minute, but uh, does Keychain even tell you? One password would tell you, like you have this many passwords. I don't know. Uh, I... Keychain does not tell you. So I have this many passwords. It's in the hundreds, I forget. It's somewhere around 300 or something stupid. I want every one of them to be a passkey. Yes. I just I I, I know it, I know it'd probably be time consuming to go through and change each one, but absolutely no more usernames, no more passwords, just all face ID, all device locked. Yes, I can already hear everyone screaming. This is not lock into Apple's ecosystem. Passkeys are 100% transferable between different password services. One password also mm. supports passkeys and Apple actually helped develop the standard. And I don't know if it's implemented yet, but there is or will be a way to 
take passkeys out of Keychain and put them into other services. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But for me, as someone who's probably just not going to jump ship on Apple, <laughs> um, yeah, this is perfect. And I just want it everywhere. It's awesome. Well, my one password library has 2,097 items. I delete. So unlike you, Stephen, <laughs> I do spring cleaning and I actually go delete accounts. And then oh. I go through my one password, <laughs> or not one password, Keychain. It's meticulous and it takes time and oh gosh, I, I I do it at least, you know, maybe not once a year, but at least every other year. I'll go through and say, is this website still work? Yes. Can I log into it? Yes. Okay. Mm. Do I want to log into it? Well, okay. Go through the delete process. Request delete. Usually have to email them and say, please delete my account. I no longer want this weird automation protocol that you built three years ago that I don't use anymore. Just, <laughs> sure. just because I want to reduce my digital f footprint. So I de I'm definitely not in the thousands because I would cry if I had that many to manage. <laughs> well, You also have a lot more going on than me, by the way. Well, so. <laughs> I also put everything's like software license keys and like travel rewards accounts for airlines and hotels. Like I put all of that in one password because there's actually categories for that. So that was like all of those items together. Again, I do hope and wish that iCloud Keychain will add those kinds of things. But Passkey, it's amazing. It is just available for personal Google accounts right now. Google said that Workplace or G Suite, you know, the older terminology, that Passkeys will come to that later. But I love it. Passkey's great. Two thumbs up. Is that all of your like family? <clears throat> did you did you just look at your total password count for everybody? Well, right now it just seems like an enormous number. I... You have one thousand RuneScape accounts that you're they're all mining gold and you're gonna sell them one day. So like I have in here for my two boys, like their Epic Games account login, you know, for each. Sure. And different uh, you know, so for all of my kids, there's logins for them, their iClouds and different accounts. I do have logins here for my wife and we have a shared vault. So it includes some shared logins there. But also I've just created so many weird logins for random websites for the different jobs I've had for like That's the last, you know, five or six years. And so I just have a bunch of random websites in here. I've made it a point and I, I guess I did it early enough on in my digital online career uh of of life i don't know 2015 or so i made it just a point because i was just very aware of digital privacy and digital footprints and uh i hate facebook google blah 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 one of those characters mm -hmm. i was very that for um i mean i know i'm still that to an extent but my goodness i <laughs> i was very that for a while yeah so it was always in my mind so i guess that i've been of the mind to um minimalize my online footprint and just yeah. consider, do I really need to create an account on this recipe website? <laughs> well, and so the, the other thing that has me a little skittish about going in, about going all in on iCloud keychain, which I really want to do when I went to my Google account to create the pass key, I still live the dual life of saving logins in iCloud keychain and one password. Sure. When I went to google.com on my Mac, the iCloud keychain autofill came up in addition to the one password. And it's really annoying because they overlap a lot of time. And like, you really shouldn't do that. I should really just choose one as far as what pops up in the web browser. Yeah, you're hurting but yourself. I, I'm hurting myself there. But because the iCloud keychain one is just so easy to just put your finger on the touch ID button and it will use the login that's highlighted already, I went to do that and it said wrong password. And for some reason, I guess at some point, I changed the password for my, this is like my main Google, personal Google account. Like my YouTube channel is connected to this. For whatever reason, I updated the password and it was correct in one password, but 
because running this dual life, it can get messy. It's like you have to keep track of the lies. I did not update it in the iCloud keychain. And iCloud keychain does not do, I feel like, as good of a job if you change a password or update it and says, hey, do you want to update? Do you want to save? It does do that. Like it does auto prompt and say, it should be more aggressive. Do you want to update the password? But like one password is super forward in, like I had to change a password on a website recently. Like there was an old password. So you have to put current password and then put new password. And one password is better at like parsing those fields where I can just click new suggested password for one password and it will update that item in my one password app. Whereas iCloud Keychain, I would have to do the weird thing of copy the current one, paste it in the website, go back to the settings app in iCloud Keychain, create a new password, copy that, and then put it in the website. And when I do that, my old password is gone because iCloud Keychain does not keep a history of your old password. So you kind of have that moment where if for something goes wrong or that website doesn't load properly, like your old password would be gone and my one password saves it, but iCloud Keychain doesn't. And so like those little moments like that still have me a little skittish of going all in on iCloud Keychain. You know what I mean? iCloud Sync could be better on Apple's platforms, which is funny because it is Apple's proprietary syncing engine. Uh, like things could sync faster. We definitely need more histories. But the, yeah, the yeah. two things I think that would save you from having to think about this is a dedicated app for passwords uh, and password management. Yeah. And iCloud family sharing for passwords. Yes, that's, that's what I need. If we get those, I, I believe you'll be able to move your enormous collection of passwords and RuneScape accounts to uh, iCloud. And I, I, I do wonder, you know, <laughs> what that looks like. I mean, you can import. So I know 1Password exports uh, an XML file or a um, <laughs> unordered list. My goodness. Uh <laughs> Right. I, I, a CSV, I, I believe, um, yeah, I think right. of your passwords, and you can just uh, ingest that on a Mac. You can't do that on an iPhone or iPad. Again, Apple, right. weird limitations on your on your mobile devices. Right. But yeah, I, I think it's possible to do. I wonder what a passkey looks like in CSV form, if that's possible. Um, oh, interesting yeah. future for passwords here. Uh, let's let's see where we're going and just make it all yeah. hook up and. Sorry, everyone who's getting Sherlocked by Apple stuff, but I think this is going to be a year for multiple Sherlocks. Last year, we got, what, like 10 different Sherlocks all at once? It was crazy. There was. Yeah, I think there's going to be more Sherlocks this year. But, yeah, you know, when it, when it comes to password and security, it's one of those places where I'm good with Sherlocks. And companies like 1Password can still diversify and focus on enterprise or commercial features that large teams will need to use. You know, iCloud Keychain will probably never be a business-wide tool. And it'll, there'll always be a place for 1Password to support a team of 100 people with multiple vaults and many different permissions. Like iCloud Keychain is not going to do that. But from a personal standpoint, I feel like it could be the app for individuals and families and still do that well, leaving a place for things like 1Password. So, uh... All right, so Google and Apple actually announced that they are working together to take steps and reduce AirTag stalking. Ever since AirTags launched, I feel like this has been in the news, AirTag stalking. But basically, they want to work together where whether you have an iPhone or an Android, if there is an unauthorized AirTag or other location tracker around you, near you, following you around, that your device would get that notification to say something is pinging your location and you should probably identify what it is. Because right now, like if an Android user 
would not get a notification that there's an air tag around. So right an now. Android user, there is a app they can go download. I don't Apple Google partnered on, but you have to right. that it exists, go find it, download it, and turn it on. Right. So the app doesn't run in background. You have to open the app and say, Am I being tracked by an air tag? And it will look for an air tag signal. That is fine if you're a person in a situation where you have to be wary of these things and you're like, do I have this, is my ex tracking me or, you know, am I, am I being stalked to be assassinated or something as a important character? That is not the right number of steps. The steps should be zero. Your phone should just know. And building this into the Android operating system would be really nice, really smart. And I I don't, Apple has nothing to lose and everything to gain by doing this because now, especially if uh, for whatever reason, this, this brings AirTag to Android as a device that you can track, like in your, I don't know what Google's version of Find My is, but like your trackable items app, uh, like imagine being able to buy an AirTag and you're an Android user that wouldn't that be crazy? Uh Yeah. Yeah, Like, so I I could see this being a just positive move for all on all fronts and I don't like that Android is so fragmented and weird that um, when this does happen, you'll probably have to buy a new phone to actually get this feature, but, um, mm. or be on a, at least within the last year or two phone maybe to get this feature. Cause it'll, it'll be software related. It's not like it's gonna be a hardware component required to find these air tags and notify you, but it's definitely one of those operating system limitations where once you're you know, off the list, you're off the list and you can just, you'll have to go buy a new phone. Sorry guys, but cool that they're working on it. Yeah. Hope it, hope it looks, hope it looks fun. Just everyone will be getting chimed in on you're being followed (laughs) by your spouse's keys, you know? Yeah. Oh, and and someone actually asked me on Twitter the other day, do air tags work internationally? And the answer is yes. So if you have an air tag in your luggage and you're flying to Europe and you're from here in the U S or vice versa, you will still be able to track that AirTag's location wherever it is, as long as there's some Apple devices pinging its location around. So there's no kind of international boundary to being able to track an AirTag in other countries or other territories. So it is an international tool. Do you have an AirTag in your car? Like a dedicated, this is my vehicle AirTag. Because I work from home now, and I drive a 2011 Kia Soul. I don't care to track it. That's <laughs> no, fair. It's a, You're welcome exactly to steal my car, please. Take it, take, out, it. take it out of my hands. That's fine. What, what didn't someone recommend, or was it New York City that recommended? No. So New, so it, it, a hilarious New York City was uh, police department said, you know what would help cut down on thefts is if everyone was tracking their vehicle and we could just find them this perfect utopia future and of course as soon as the thief has an iphone and gets pinged you're being tracked by an air tag they can just remove it and throw it in a bush but moving on beyond that these are not anti-theft devices please right understand they're useful if your stuff is stolen and it's on there and the thief doesn't have time or doesn't notice or you can at least get a trajectory of where they might be going all that's very useful information but it's still not anti-theft. Don't go putting air tags on things and pursuing thieves and turning into Batman. This isn't, that's not going to work out, but <laughs> air tag to Batman. That's quite a jump. Well, Hey, you know, vigilante, right? But sure, so, sure. so anyway, air tag in a vehicle. I was thinking about putting one of mine. Uh, you can get an elevation labs, uh, sticky thing. And I was going to like stick one and underneath my spare tire in the trunk of my oh, uh, sure. hrv because no one would, on, on the planet would think of that uh, now that i've said it live on a podcast to so many listeners yeah. and people know exactly how to steal my vehicle can i just say every once in a while someone will like put my face on a gif on twitter or whatever to like 
be funny. <laughs> an air tag on a Batman utility belt. Absolutely. And actually like seeing him like throw one like it's a batarang, but it's an air tag. No, the the batarang like is the air tag. So the that's right. it's, yeah, an yeah, yeah, exactly. that's it's an air tag holder. It's an air tag holder. Someone needs good. to make a batarang air tag holder. Oh. Or, a, just... or a batarang shaped air tag. <laughs> just look, you know, it's like uh... Oh my word. That's I, I will go anyway. on Etsy now and find out if there's a batarang air tag holder but so because we definitely have batarangs in in my living room sitting on a shelf that are very sharp but uh do you imagine, really you, you know you go to these conventions and someone's just handmade <laughs> some metal batarangs i mean i don't think i didn't know i didn't know i, I didn't know you could just get batarangs. go to conventions they're fun um okay, I, I, I don't know that they would injure a person i i wouldn't try though no 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 to no. get back to the story um, said, you know, so we're going to help cut down on, on vehicle thefts now in a, in one of the most populous cities on earth, I'm not even going to guess, uh, the number. Do you, do you have a rough idea? Eight, eight million. I, I, that's probably I'm ridiculous. Eight, eight, I, I eight there's a lot of people in New York city. It's, it's jam packed. Not, not quite as many as like Hong Kong, but there's a lot of people there. 8.4 million. I was close. Oh, nice. There you go. There you go. All right. Yeah. They're going to yeah. offer, let's, what, what was the number? It's in here somewhere. 500, right? 500. Air tags. They're gonna <laughs> hand out 500 air tags to the lucky trick or treaters passing by the police station. Just hand, and that that's it. Five five hundred. How many cars are in New York City? Do you uh, think? Let's see, I'm gonna. Well, that's the thing. At least 8.4 million. <laughs> are you counting taxis or not? Oh, let's goodness. see. How many cars are in? I'm gonna say like mm, 500,000. Because I mean, no no one drives. It's all the subway. Well, no one drives because there's a million cars in new york city that the, the, the entire town's a parking anyway yeah you know uh, to, funny enough I, I side tangent i have been in new york uh, physically in person and uh yeah. we got off a bus in chinatown and walked to times square so I, I, I traversed a great portion of the city on foot the traffic thing is is a thing but it's not really it's mm-hmm. not really that much of a thing it's like it depends on you know how busy it is and whatnot like it, it's not permanently gridlocked like they might have you think in transformers no. and ninja turtles and um, you know, people yelling at each other through windows because they're near enough New Jersey that they have to, you know, make sure their accent is very, th- anyway, just right. not, not, not as much a thing as you think it is. But anyway, one more side note, uh, 1.4 million households in New York city own a car. Nice. So yeah, 1.4 absolutely madness, but five, 500, <laughs> I just thought that was such a fun number. Tags. I, I don't solve like it. You know, that, that went in their quarterly budget. It's like, uh, how much is a 500 air tags? I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> 30 bucks each. Yeah. Say, well, you could buy the four pack for a yeah. hundred bucks. So. Then get the, <laughs> then get the bulk discount, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of tips, no, we weren't just speaking of tips, but we need to talk about tips because Apple Towson Town Center in Maryland, it is the first Apple store to have unionized. Not only are Apple store employees at the store looking for raises, but... They want an opportunity to be tipped at checkout three or five percent or a custom amount. This is from Bloomberg. All right. So two things. One, we keep referring to Towson as the first uh, Apple store to unionize. It's basically the only Apple store to unionize. Um, Three other stores have attempted to unionize. Oklahoma City has unionized, but okay. has not entered negotiations. So they haven't started this process yet. Uh, Towson's been unionized long enough that this is like the third negotiation that they've had with Apple. Um, and they keep ramping things up, which is, you know, what unions are meant to do. Uh, as I've said before, unions are a good thing. Um, generally, if you have a good union, right? Sure. I don't 
know what's going on with these union reps. Um, they, they did specifically say in this Bloomberg piece, uh, that like there was a quote, like directly from the union, one of the union reps of yeah. we're, we're overshooting. Like this is, this is, if we got all of this, it'd be insane. Obviously we're going to bargain down to where we actually want to be. Um, because they're asking for, uh, up to 45 days, non-consecutive leave throughout the year, uh, you know, bereavement leave if, you know, if someone dies. Yeah. Uh, but right now that's only, fr- that's only family, close family members, kind of like how the military does. If your brother or mother dies, you get bereavement leave in the military. If your cousin or uncle dies, not so much. Right. They're asking for that to move up to friends and pets to have bereavement leave as well. They're also mm-hmm. asking for a 10% pay increase on top of the pay increases they've already got. And they're asking uh, for just, you know, different more holiday periods, more paid holiday periods, like getting paid uh, for the Black Friday after Thanksgiving, um, you know. Double time, overtime pay. Yeah, double yeah, double time. overtime, over eight hours, over 40 hours, time and a half on weekends, that kind of stuff. So it's stuff we've heard of before in different places, not so much in retail. This isn't completely unheard of, a lot of what they're asking for. But what got me and what was, what's been attracting a lot of attention is this tip thing. So yeah. at checkout, you Apple Pay. <laughs> And imagine a pop-up saying, how would you rate your experience? Five stars. Would you like to leave a tip? 3%, 5% or custom. And I, I made a joke before we came on air of uh, imagine seeing a even a 3% tip ask on a like $40,000 Mac Pro. And of, of, I mean, it's $2,000, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's it's just or for, for a 5% tip. Sorry. So it's just I don't know what they expect people to do i mean so we're we're american citizens here i I know we have some overseas listeners who are like uh tips are insane i agree tips are insane we're doing it wrong i wish we were like other countries and actually paid people enough i want to approach from the angle of tipping in general number one there was a great vox article about tips here in america and there's kind of this joke I saw this trend on TikTok for a while where like a boyfriend would be like pumping gas and then they would turn around to their girlfriend with like their iPhone and you would see the square like 15, 20 or 25% tip. And, you know, it was, it was funny because it's really a felt thing. Like I do feel like at least in the last year or two, the amount of square registers with mm. increasing it's a default setting like the, the it's a default setting and the increasing tip percentage you know i feel like it used to be 10 15 maybe 20 now sometimes like i don't see anything lower than 20% now you can always hit the custom amount and try to do the math on your own but i see a lot of like 20 25 30% tips and all that right and i want i want to say this like i want workers to be paid a fair wage. And I have not done the research to know what that is in a particular region or even at this particular store. So there's that. But I also feel like from an Apple store perspective, specifically, I think that Apple store employees, for the most part, anytime I've gone into an Apple store, they really are like some of the best. You know, if you compare your experience working with, they're great. you know, a Best Buy retail employee, like no shade, there's some great Best Buy workers. What's up, Pat? <laughs> he doesn't work at Best Buy anymore, but he listens. So, you know, you look at the the quality of that customer experience. I do think the Apple store provides one of the best and they provide things like the, the today at Apple where you can go and learn. There's no charge for those classes. Mm-hmm. They really do try their best to walk through customers, teaching them how to use their device if they're buying something new. I mean, and my only thought on this is I think the tipping part in an Apple store 
would decrease the quality of the experience for customers in general. I don't know how to speak to the actual monetary value and and what workers get paid, but I do feel like it will cheapen the overall experience for the customer and make it a little more of a, uh, maybe I don't want to go to the Apple store for this because I could just buy it online and don't have to deal with the whole tipping thing. Again, I don't want to get off on a tangent. This, I promise this is related, but like when I was in the military, I would shop at the Navy exchange and they have a Navy exchange grocery store. And one of the most, I, I just, it blew my mind. They hire, um, you know, otherly abled people to be the baggers at the grocery line and do not pay them. They are paid 100% in tips. You have to tip them Mm. or else they don't get to eat. That's insane. Yeah, that's not that's not right. I don't want to get into personal stuff, but like really close to people in the service industry, so I have an insight to some of the money. They get paid to be a waitress. Yeah. Two thirteen an hour. Two dollars and thirteen cents an hour. Their paychecks mm. average about after taxes and social security, their paycheck is probably like forty bucks working a full wor- week of work. <laughs> they don't get no- they don't get anything. They have yeah, to get tipped yeah. in order to live, right? In order to pay right. bills, in order to afford groceries. Um, that's that's where tipping makes sense to me. Baristas, uh, bartenders, um, any any kind of service industry. I don't tip at fast food. Sorry, McDonald's. Um, <laughs> there is laws that say you can pay someone nothing, you know, a $2 wage, right. if you supplement their income with tips and let them take home their tips. Right. which is why the tipping system exists. It's stupid needs to go away. But to to say I'm a you know full wage employee and deserve tips is just insane to me. That's 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 way overstepping a line I think. And mm. uh mm. that should definitely be pulled. Like that just that's kind of in, that's embarrassing to me. I don't I just don't I don't get it. But I want to I want to know what you guys especially you overseas people just <laughs> what you what you think of this situation. Yeah. Yeah, international listeners, I'd be curious what you think. I will say down here in the South, we have the grocery chain Publix. As far as I know, I know a few people that work there, they are paid well. They get like stock options and stuff. Like if you work for Publix grocery stores for a significant amount of time, like you would do well. And they actually have tags on their uniforms that say, please no tipping because right. they, they, they try to discourage it because they don't want people to feel pressure. And as a customer at Publix, like I actually appreciate that. Because now it feels like one of the few places where I'm not expected to tip, where it feels like so many other places it is expected. Yeah. Tip your hairdresser, or else they'll uh, they'll mess you up. Or and tip <laughs> tip anyone serving you drinks because they 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 can also mess you up. So like that that's the idea. But it's just I don't know something odd to yeah. me about this. Like it's a service industry draw, but I Apple has the means to pay Apple stores well. And again, not against unions, but the idea of of unionizing in an apple store in the first place was always odd to me because it my understanding is it's one of the best retail places to work in the united states and probably don't ask for uh tips at your apple store that just you know yeah yeah, that i think i think both things can be true here it's just such an odd odd situation and an odd ask but moving on moving on let's end on something a little happier note which is that apple arcade actually released 20 new games today as we record thursday may 4th and it looks like pretty good games. One of them actually a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game that's like a kind of 3D top-down action game. Looks really good. Apple Arcade is one of the places where my kids, they there's lots of different games that they play. And I have to say, like, I always encourage them, like, look at the Apple Arcade games first. Because Absolutely. Because they'll, 
they will play games like a uh, minion rush is one of the games my kids my daughter likes to play and it's her you know it's appropriate for her age but the ads the Garbage. ads are yeah. so frustrating and not just are they annoying and frustrating but like i actually heard her say one time like i'm closing my eyes because this ad is kind of scary because they'll advertise these like they're cartoonish but they might be like zombie games or other kind of like games that i i don't I just don't want it. I don't want the ads. And like to pay to remove ads from all the different little games that they like to play. It's like, please, like, let's just go to Apple Arcade because you never have to worry about ads. There's good quality games there now. And they're clearly putting effort into actually doing more games, making more games for Apple Arcade. And I appreciate it. So 20, 20 games at once is pretty awesome. Um, I just, just to shout out a few from like my experience, uh, what the golf, <laughs> I love, I love, so what the golf, just if you've never played anything on Apple Arcade, go download What the Golf right now. It's not a golf game. It isn't. Just go download it. It's hilarious. Uh, they came out with their successor, What the Car. I played yeah. ten whole minutes of it. Absolutely hilarious. I love it. Like it grows legs. It's there's bears. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nonsensical. Just and there's little people singing in the background. What the car? You know. It's it's just so it's so good. <laughs> uh, very little nightmares. Go download it. Good 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 little game okay, okay. uh i played some of tmnt splintered fate so ninja turtles yes, uh, that's yes, a yes. good what you would call a hack and slash you got a joystick on the left some buttons to do attack moves on the right and you just walk around and fight people it's a it, it looks like fun you, you know temple run for all you run infinite runner crazy people that is now on <laughs> apple arcade octodad dadliest catch that is a very yeah. dad pun heavy game my boys did like that one they like lots of dad Limbo Plus, absolutely perfect platformer, historically amazing. I played okay. that on the PS3, like, I don't know, 13 years ago. It is now on Apple Arcade. Wow. Farming Simulator for you guys who like mowing lawns. And Sim Builder, Cityscapes. There is yeah. now a city sim inside of Apple Arcade. I haven't played much yet, but it looks promising and no in-app purchases. No, so nothing you have to pay to get past, right? There's SimCity, um, sadly just did the worst and came out with the god awfulest version of its of SimCity on the planet. I just wish they would let me buy SimCity 2000. Um, <laughs> let me play it for the <laughs> thousandth time right. on my iPhone. But yeah, SimCity ruined city builders on, on mobile and like everyone's cloned them. And recently a new game in that genre came out called Pocket City 2, like literally days before this. Mm. And so I bought it, it was $5, but now I have Cityscape Sim Builder. So I'm going to play both of those, see, see what, how they add up. But very exciting times here. Uh, very good, very good That's collection cool. of arcade games. There's a lot to look at. So chess definitely go Universe check out the full Plus. list. Yeah. Chess Universe Plus. I'm a chess guy, so I'm going to try that. And also Grand Mountain Plus. Look pretty fun, like a little skiing game. And uh, I don't know, it reminds me kind of a Valto's adventure. Getting over it was a very meme meme heavy game because it's just hilariously one of those just bad like weird animation. Oh nice! Oop, it started playing audio. <laughs> there's there's some there's some good kids games in here. There's a some coloring books. There's my goodness, parents! I know you've dealt with this. If you have a kid with an iPad and a pencil and they want to color, it is yeah. awful. My mom started getting into um coloring like adult coloring books yeah, it was yeah. like i want to find one and she like kept clicking on these awful facebook ads and we finally found one that was actually quote unquote good still cost 40 dollars a year 
um, this, this, there's a Disney coloring book now, and I'm going to give it to my mom and be like, look, color Mickey Mouse and Elsa and ha have fun. That's fun. But no, uh, I did want to ask you, you say so you're a chess fan. We can, we can close up. Did you play really bad chess? I never did. I know it was good. I got to play it. Okay. You got to play it. You can just play games with all. What if you had a chess board of all nights? <laughs> that, that's pretty good. Yeah. Right. I need to try that. Yeah. It's, that's it's fun. fun. <laughs> We'll put links to everything we talked about. Let us know what you think about tipping or anything else we talked about. Wes and I's Twitter and Mastodon handles are in the show notes. Also links to everything we talked about. Check out that little planet video from CGP Gray. That was pretty fun. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.